Hi, my friends who listen to Future Primitive. Dr. Pavani Moray is with us today, pronoun P, and so P is a former Montessori elementary educator, educational therapist, National Park Service ranger, and Peace Corps volunteer. Pavini currently works as a somatic sex therapist and ancestral lineage healing practitioner in private practice in San Francisco. Pavini works mainly with clients who have experienced sexual trauma, helping them feel more and inhabit their intimate lives more fully. Pavini hosts a podcast called Bespoken Bones, Ancestor at the Crossroads of Sex, Magic, and Science. The podcast is released every new and full moon and addresses topics of transgenerational trauma, erotic wellness, and ancestor support. As a queer trans witch... They walk the glitter path of dancing bones, ridiculous delight, and old magic. Welcome, Pavini. Thank you so much, Joanna. So nice to be here. Good, good, good. So um, I'd like to ask you first, perhaps you could describe how you came to be who you are today, a little bit of your history. Sure. Well, I guess I first want to say that, um, you know, in in my doctoral research, when I asked people what are ancestors, they everyone said the same thing. Everybody who I asked said that question said the same thing, and they said, oh, the ancestors live in me. And that's how I feel, and, and I feel that... Um, how I came to be here is not just the work of, of my lifetime and my hands, but also of my lineages and, and the ones who came before me. And, and also, you know, I'm just part of the stream of life of the ones who will come after me. And, um, yeah, I just, I am following the thrum of what's alive in my body. And it's, you know, as you read from my bio, it's taken me down lots of different roads and um, interesting explorations of culture and body and ritual and um, spirit and healing. And um, yeah, so I guess how I came to be here is like kind of the confluence of all of those rivers or or ways of being, um, and especially the the healing paths of um, that work has been really... Uh, it just kind of like that has been the most definitive thing is, is the healing, I think. I love the way you call um, your connection, our connection, 
ancestral reverence. And so in particular, I would like you to describe the feeling of reverence. really quiet and it's a sense of belonging fully and being in awe at feeling um, a part of life. Yeah. Well, what does it mean for you, Pavini, to be at the same time a, a witch and a trans person? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, it's like the, um, I think that like being gender liminal or being trans or, you know, there's lots of different words for it, but that experience of containing multitudes or being, um, having a lot of spaciousness around gender, it's, it's a really ancient experience, you know, kind of at the forefront of, in, in some ways, of culture right now. But it's a very old human experience that, that's always existed. And I don't know, I mean, I think to some degree we all have some some sense of that liminality. Not Maybe not everyone, but a lot of folks do. Um, and that that space between, that space where we're not one thing and we're not another thing, or we're all of the things at the same time, or sometimes we're one thing or sometimes we're another thing, that, that capacity for fluidity, the capacity for transformation is deeply magical. It's like, it's, it's kind of the same thing. We're, we're making alchemy in our flesh when mm. we do that, mm. right? And, and magic is, is being able to be fluid with the, the connections that are between things that we can't see. experience is that uh, when I trace myself back to the place of authenticity, then I am a fluid being. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's my experience for myself. Mm. And I deeply admire that um, 
that you guide people in their sexuality because when I touch on that place of authenticity, then of fluidity, then the um, the conventional uh, sexual rituals don't work anymore. Totally true. Yeah. Talking to that, uh, talking to you from the deepest authentic place I can. Mm-hmm. So. If that resonates with you, would you would you speak about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like we have these these skin containers, mm. and we're trying to, you know, again, my sense of it, but we're trying to yes. make sense of the world from within the limits of our perception, and and then there's these experiences that are so expansive. Right, that they can't be limited by the constructs that we can come up with with our brains. Right, of like, oh, this is what sex is, or like, when we get in there, and if we're really, like you said, really, um, like you said, authentic, authentic, and how that how that translates to me is kind of like without like taking off as many layers as I can, getting back to like a very. like the purest state that I can get back to. Is that mm. kind of what you mean by that? Yes. Yeah. 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 And then, and it's like when we're when we're coming from that, like all the, the rules, like they just don't, they don't work, and we don't actually need them, right? Because we become more expansive, but yet it's still we do need them because we do need to live inside of our skin, right? We have things like gravity that we have right. to contend with all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me that um, what uh, I wrote down these words because I love them you speak about er being erotically connected well just a second when you were saying what do I mean by authentic I meant uh, I meant uh, behind conditioning or when you take off the the clothing of conditioning of social conditioning when I can yeah. do that, but back to erotically connected, it uh, it it has always seemed to me that uh, most of the disturbance and this disharmony that we go through as human beings is is because we 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 don't know how to be erotically connected. Makes me want to cry hearing you say that. Thank you. Me too. So yeah, we're. we're we're in it together, so yeah. if you you would talk from those, if you would talk from those tears, that would be beautiful. My, I'll just tell a brief story that I was doing some medicine journeying a while ago, and my yeah. ancestors came to me as they often do, and they said that the greatest source of disconnection we experience with the land is because of our disconnection with our people, with our ancestral lineages. Mm-hmm. That, the, that, that, that break, the, the way that we're able to be disconnected 
so harmful to our home is because we don't have this, we don't have these, not just the practices of reverence, but the felt sense of it. We don't have it. We can't remember it. We've forgotten. We've, it's, it's been broken, right? And we come from sex. We come, like, like our ancestors were fucking. Like, that's how we got here, right? Like, that, the, their sex, the sex of the ones who came mm-hmm. before us, mm-hmm. is how we became incarnate into this flesh and, and have these, these bodies. And so it just makes sense that, like, when we're not erotically connected in a, in a way that inhabits our power well and, and rightly, and when we're collaborative with our power and, and equitable with our power, like, all of, all of that, all of that disconnect from our, like, what I call our erotic wellness, is so interwoven with the, the disconnect from our ancestors and the disconnect from the earth. And, and so it's like, okay, well, that's a huge fucking problem. What do I do about that, right? And so my take on it is what's it like to practice erotic wellness in our bodies? You know, what's it like to bring our attention back to our own? Because it's like once that's there, once I'm connecting with, my, with myself erotically in a way that um, is really respectful and supportive and I'm doing that with my partners and you know it, it becomes so much more difficult like there's such a bigger um, gap like I can't just do things that are harmful to the earth or I can't participate in harmful systems of oppression and because there's such a lack of integrity and I feel it right because mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm erotically well I'm in my in my skin and I'm feeling myself and I feel that breach in integrity and it's painful and I don't want to feel that so I don't do it, right? I, so I, I feel really strongly that connecting with our erotic wellness is, is one important path back to wholeness of, of the whole ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I am. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling it as you're describing it, that... Uh, that this whole that that when we say everything is interconnected it's we are interconnected because of our erotic and procreation powers mm-hmm. i mean everything is everything is life giving and and life um and life nourished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I just want to add that I I think it's not just it's not just procreative, right? It's the yeah. when we allow yeah. eros, when we allow the yes. like the sun on our skin or the honeybee on the yes. lavender flower, like like all of that is sex, and it's not necessarily procreative sex, right? Yes, yes. It's pleasure. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. Absolutely. So talking about, you see, you you talk about um, that we need, and uh, and I've always felt that, that in order to have an orgasm to come, we need to have emotional trust. And for some reason, 
when you were talking, uh, uh, it it came to me something about emotional trust with the earth, with the land, to appreciate a beautiful tree, we have to have the emotional trust to be able to feel that. What would you say? Yeah, to know the ground holds us, right? That it, it that it has us, that we're not going like, to fall off. I mean, I'm speaking a little bit metaphorically, but mm-hmm. there's that... Um, <laughs> mm. Yeah, I just... I've, I've, I, there's, a, um, there's a park near my house, and I, I walk there sometimes, and... Um, just thinking of a, a time where I self-pleasure, like laying on the earth there, and um, and how you know everything was erotic, like the wind in the trees and the the lights coming through the leaves and the birds flying around, like everything was like deeply, deeply erotic. And but also, like it's exactly what you're saying. Of um, I felt the support, I felt the support under my body of the of the earth of the ground, mm. and. It's like, oh, yeah, that, um, like, we walk around on the ground all the time, but we're not necessarily trusting that it has us, right? That it holds us, that we are of it. Yeah, Yeah, that we are of it, exactly. That we are of it. It's us, yeah. Mm -hmm. Somehow we feel different, like we're separate from it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, sometimes uh, we are... um, we are making love or having, doing sexual acts with someone, but we don't, we don't feel that we're supported or of it or yeah, yeah, we're separate. We're se- yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we can, you know, we can physically have orgasms without feeling that trusted. But sometimes some people can, some people can't. But yeah, I wanted um, to ask you about that. I wanted to ask yeah. you, like, uh, what's the. Um, the dichotomy here, yes, uh, uh, trust is a wonderful um, is a wonderful ingredient for orgasm. But about when we have orgasms in in strange circumstances, yeah, I mean, I think it, it that is that can happen, right? And I mean, I'm just thinking of like sometimes with my clients. Um, that's happened to them, and there's like they feel weird about it. Like they feel guilty, or they feel shame, or yeah. like you know, like my body was turned on, but my heart wasn't really present, or you know. Yeah. And some people, it's like some people, it's like oh yeah, cool, it felt great. Like I that was lovely, and um, so it's a really subjective experience. I think it's like how do you feel about that happening, right? I don't think it's like inherently a problem. But it's more like, is it a problem for you? You know, and if it's a problem yeah. for you, and if you're feeling bad about it, then um, how do you get permission to be? You know, how do you get support, and how do you have permission for the complexity right, of um, how those things can interweave? Right, like being turned on and, and being repulsed at the same time, for example. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about um, your journey with your ancestors and right. and how um, you are integrating your ancestors inside your own life and offer that to your to your clients. I had this vision one morning of um, 
exactly what you said before about the the earth that is our bodies, right? The the earth that we're made out of, mm-hmm. and how it um, rises up and takes form, and you know, in the in the shape of us or whatever, whatever you know, the animal, the being mm-hmm. that it is, it, the, the earth rises up and it takes form, and then it's like a wave and it comes back down and comes back into the earth and then it rises up and takes form and it goes back down and um, so in terms of you know, I'm the one right now in my lineage and, and my kids. Um, we're the ones of right now. And the ancestral healing work has done a lot of things. It's, it's made my life better in a lot of different ways. But I think the main way is the sense of it's okay to, to be here, right? Like there's a, there's a, purpose of this life coming up into form and going back down into the ground and, and it's like a wave and I'm on the crest of that wave right now and um, I'm continuing the work of generations and generations and generations of, of humans and so for me there's like it is like having the ground under me right in a certain way of like oh I know I know that I'm here to do some big things and I also know that I'm not responsible for everything mm-hmm. um, because there's all these generations that are coming after me that will do things as well and there's a there's a shared joy in that labor. And the you know, as a as a person who's had sexual trauma in my own life and also in my family of origin, like the there's been some generational sexual trauma. Um to figure out like I don't want to you know, I mean you can you can interrupt any ancestral burden that you inherit, right? Like you like if so if you're you know, if your father's like a raging alcoholic, for example, and, and you don't want to be that, like you can interrupt it. Mm-hmm. And you might white knuckle it through that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to pass that along. Like it stops the buck stops here. Right, right. Um which is great. And like what's beyond that? Like how do we start to um unpack those ancestral burdens and embody the ancestral blessings that we're all we've all inherited as well but sometimes the burdens are so burning and so loud that we can't um, we can't do anything we can't feel the blessings right so personally that was that's been part of the journey is is getting the kind of the crap out and and figuring out like what's the good stuff and how do i embody that and then with my clients it's helping them realize like what's what's theirs and what's not theirs like we transgenerational trauma is a real thing and until you kind of have that framework it's hard to delineate what you're experiencing in your life like what part of this is just my life work and and part of what I'm here to do and what what am I like holding so that justice is served for my ancestors because there's been something that hasn't been healed yet right and so helping them to kind of figure that out and tease that apart and, and we we treat it similarly, but it's helpful to have a sense of like, oh, that's why that's why this particular thing has been so hard in this lifetime, right? It's because it's not just mine. It's like my grandparents or my great-grandparents or, you know, it's like it's been passed down to me and I'm just like the landing place for it right now. Um, so it can depersonalize what can feel like a heavy load someone is carrying in their life. And, and then we can... You know, once it's not personal anymore, then we can work with it in different ways to, to help it move and, and help those blessings be more readily available. 
Right, because in the Bert Hellinger work, which I'm sure you know, the const- the constellation work. Oh, okay, the constellation yeah. work. I've always sort of felt that it's just not enough to say thank you for passing on life to me. I mean, yeah, which is kind of where it stops. I mean, you you get to the place where you tell them that everything's okay because they did this enormous thing of passing life on to you, and uh, but but there's 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 got to be there's got to be more than that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. There's got to be qualities beyond the trauma that are recognized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's really been my experience that when we are able to relate with the well-bright ancestors in our lineages, and we all have them, um, we might have to go back a few thousand years, but they were there because ancestral reverence was a was a universally practiced human ritual technology. Um, in many cultures, it still is, but like every culture in the world has practiced at some point ancestral reverence. So, you know, up until a time, things were things were good. Like there was relation between the living and the dead, and, and the dead were in certain... It was like, you know, you have the, the elders, and then you have the dead, like the recent dead, and they're kind of like a one level of the community, and then you have the more ancient more ancient ones and so we all have well ancestors even if we have to go back you know further to reach them um and then they can really help us with like oh what are these like you know when we were talking about the the trans stuff of like oh that's a special that's a special blessing that i have received um in my body and you know or special talents that we have or um affinities that we have for certain things like healing or cooking or arts or, you know, kind of whatever the, the special, the goodness, the richness, the positive resources are, um, those almost always have ancestral connections. Like there were people before us who did those things, right? And that's really cool. When we start to get to that level, be like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, like I know how to um, play soccer because, it's, you know, my grandfather was a professional soccer player. Like, oh, it's, I have reverence well it's all contained in in the word rever- reverence yes so when you speak about being trans is about the evolution of the species can you speak <laughs> no i saw it yeah. as i was asking the question and i'd love to hear it in your words yeah, this is something else that my ancestors um, <laughs> talk about quite a lot. Yeah, so the thing with being able to change sex, not gender, but sex, um, is actually a strategy, a survival strategy that other species besides humans have, right? Like there are different kinds of trees that can change sex. There's different kinds of fish, snakes, insects, like 
being able to change sex is a survival strategy. Huh. Full stop. And um, so I didn't I didn't know that um, until a couple years ago because that. my ancestors were saying, you know, hey, um, you you know, part of your life work is to really help keep trans people alive. Like yeah. trans people are like really having a hard time right now because of you know all the the cultural yeah. oppression that we face and and all the toxicity and all this stuff. And um, so, like, part of your job is to help keep them alive. And the reason is, is because um, this is part of the, the ways that the species evolves. And, and then I, I was like, great, tell me more. And they're like, yeah, you don't really get to know more about that. Um, like, <laughs> just keep them alive. Just help them stay alive. Help them remember their magic and, and build positive resources and build, you know, healing support for, for gender liminal and gender blessed folks. And um, so I was like, great. And so but I, my, it is my sense that, like, we do, you know, we're we're at an ecological crisis point, um, and we do, as a species, have to evolve. We cannot continue along these lines of harm, right? And so what's that? What are those survival strategies going to be? You know, how are we going to evolve and change biologically? Um, not just, like, with technology and not just with, like, our mindset, but, like, biologically, how are we going to change? And so it's my sense that what they're saying, like, what, you know, what they can see from their perspective that I can't see from mine is that there is this bridge through time of, of human evolution as well. And that just as um, certain traits are necessary um, at different points in a species evolution, this is one of those traits that's, that's helpful for these kinds of moments in time of, um, of great transition. Yeah, and I could just, like, you know, this could be all just, like, stuff that's made up in my head, too. So, like, there's no, like, proof for this. It's just, you know, that's the that's what's coming through me, and um, that's what I hear and see. And, you know, I'm not, like, it's not hard science for sure. No, I think it makes makes perfect sense. I mean, as I was reading your phrase to you, being trans is about the evolution of the species, I understand understood it in my in my being that um that's what I meant by interbeing everything is about fluidity everything and without fluidity we will not survive I mean in rigidity we will not survive exactly yeah so so how would you uh, suggest that we take responsibility at this time for being part of the earth or home? Yeah, it's my sense that the value of respect for eldership is a really important one. Um, And to seek counsel um, from wiser-than-us beings, and, and that could be human and other-than-human, right? But that the, that model of seeking counsel, of um, it being okay to not know, um, and to really seek support, to seek um, community, to seek diverse perspectives, um, and to revel in not knowing, actually, to really take delight in that beginner's mind of, um, I don't know. And, like, even for things that you do 
you do know, to like really be available for surprise, to be available to um, understand things and to feel things in a different way, right? And I think that that's um, something that I would really like to see us do as responsible Earth citizens is to, you know, take some of the traditional indigenous models of intact culture and practice them. Um, and and do the work around ego that needs to be done for us to for us to be able to do that. You went to Scotland to feel reunite, be together with your ancestors. Yeah, it's true. I did. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what do you want to know about it? Well, um, if we we need we need to zero in here. Mainly, what I want to know is um, what it felt like to be born on this land. Where were you born? In yeah, I was born um, in Ohio. To be born in Ohio, and with your Uh, sensitivity and knowledge of our ancestral connections to go where where most of your ancestors lived and died. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, one of the like one of the first nights that I was there, I danced and I um, went out and and danced uh, in, in the Five Rhythms community and. Um, It was really profound because it felt really different to be dancing in my ancestral homelands. Like I felt the difference of it. Like I, I noticed that, um, you know, here on 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 this land, um, which is I live on Ohlone land um, in Northern California, and here I'm always like I'm holding that like that. There's a um, there's a tension of of living on colonized land, right? And mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that until I danced in my ancestral homelands and was like, oh, like that feels mm -hmm. really different, you know? And so it felt really great to, and it, and it like, it felt like magic was like a super accessible and easy. It was really easy to, to remember things, to remember songs and rituals and prayers and, um, Like the, the information that's stored in the land is pretty remarkable. Um, that, and the Druids did all that, you know, with the colonized the colonization by the Christians. Like they took that information and embedded it in the land and in stories and in place names and um, in sacred sites and sacred features. And like it's like really available. And um, that was super lovely to figure out. Like you know, you, ha you have to kind of remember how to do it because. There's not like an instruction manual of like how do I open to receive information from this stone circle, but um, mm -hmm. they kind of through trial and error figured out how to um, how to engage the land in like that memory process, and mm -hmm. it was just lovely and um, got so many so many um, treasures and affirmations and, and skills. It was like I felt really taught by the land. Um, And I feel like here you can you can deliberately or I can deliberately like 
listen to the land and the creatures and the river and the stone, you know, I can set my sights on that, but it's not like, I don't feel like there's this agenda of like, child, let us teach you, which I really felt uh, when I was on pilgrimage in Scotland, like, like this, like almost like a, um, like stern and loving grandparent just being like, come here, let me tell you the stories, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that was, it was great. When you when you practice magic, what does that mean? Um, it means aligning my will with um, like the easiest path to goodness. Like you know how if there's a um, a stone in a river, the river just kind of flows around it, and so like the that flow of the river, the the way the river moves and and it's like it's aligning itself with the forces that are moving it right which are gravity and and the pull of the ocean and and the tides and so like the when i practice magic i feel like that's what i'm trying to do is not um necessarily trying to like force something to happen but rather like allow something to be more effortless and so, you know, I'm, I do the typical witchy stuff of, like, casting spells and making potions and um, doing rituals and singing songs in the shower and, you know, all the witchy, tracking the moon and uh, stuff like that. And, but mostly I, I feel like magic is also, um, there's a playfulness to it. There's, like, a sweetness and a playfulness, there, or there can be, of, it's, like, not... Like everything is not as it seems. Like, <laughs> like I'll I'll tell you a story. I was um mm-hmm. when I was on pilgrimage. I one of the the neat things that was happening was that everywhere. Um, so I I knew that one of my uh, one of my lineages, my um, one of my maternal lineages, one of the ways that they show up is ravens, right? And so like everywhere I went, there would be raven feathers, and um, so I started collecting them, and I. I collected, I don't know, several hundred of them in, over the course of my pilgrimage. And, like, whoever, you know, I, I don't know, I walk around here all the time, but I don't find raven feathers. It's just, like, you know, it's special. And mm-hmm. so there was this, like, playful moment where um, I was walking down this little alley in this little village in Scotland, and, and I was like, all right, ancestors, like, if I'm going down the right path, I'm going to, like, look down in two more steps to my right, and there's going to be a raven feather there, right? And then I, like, mm-hmm. did it, and I looked down, and there was a raven feather, and it just, like, it just made me giggle. It's just delightful. It's so playful to um, engage with the unseen in, in ways that are, you know, fun. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I, I, I want to ask you, we're close to uh, ending our conversation, and uh, I'm not sure how to phrase this, but I'm going to do my best. What What is it that people who are blessed with being aware of being transsexual, uh, what is it they need most from people who are surprised by that or not. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking yeah. compassion. I'm talking attention. 
really asking, like, what's necessary to yeah. for transphobia to be healed, addressed and healed. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Huh. I think that's going to be that's going to be a really different answer for different people. Okay. So, and I don't want to speak for trans people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I feel like at least with the folks who I'm in community with, like we're doing a really good job remembering who we are. You know, mm-hmm. like we get it. We get it that there's this like um, the specialness, and and we get it that it doesn't it doesn't mean that. Like everyone's experience of gender isn't special, but just this is like that's a unique particular experience. I mean, unique to each of us, and then unique as a cultural phenomena. And yeah, I, I I actually I hesitate to answer. Yeah. Because my 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 real answer is like just we need to continue to remember who we are and support each other in in doing that. And like y'all are just going to do what you do, you know? Like I mean, not you, but. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 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 Well, I feel very blessed to have had this conversation with you. And oh, so charming. So good. Thank you so much. Great. Great. And I'd love to be on your podcast someday. Oh, great. Yes. Let's have you on. All right. Let's do it. Good. 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 All right, then. Well, Thank you, and uh, till the next time we're together. Much love. Yeah, much love to you. <laughs>